Then God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning. The sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds, it winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river, second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Thanks very much, Kathy. Good evening, everybody. Let's um, pray as we come to, to God's word. Lord God, we thank you for this account we've just heard of your creation. Thank you that you created us in your image. And we do pray this evening that as we learn more about what that means, as we learn more about the activity you've given us to do, we do pray that you would equip us to do that and that you would enable us to reflect more and more of your image to a world which doesn't know you. Thank you that you made us to have a relationship with you. And may we enjoy that relationship this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of work. I think according to our Western understanding, it's usually what we do to earn money to pay the bills. Um, But in the Bible, it's much more general than that. It's more to do with activity, things that we do. So it may mean what you do when you go to the office or to the workshop. It um, could be what you do when you manage the home, when you look after the children. Or if you're retired, the things that you do during the week. Includes the household chores, uh, includes the admin you have to do, which is just part of daily living. And according to that definition, we spend most of our waking hours working. Which means we need to understand how we work in a way which is glorifying to God. We're told in the Bible that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. But again, what exactly does that mean? In the introduction to his book, um, Every Good Endeavor by by Tim Keller, he he summarizes the various ways in which Christians try and serve God through their work. And these are um, them here on the screen behind me. Furthering social justice in the world. Being personally honest and evangelizing your colleagues. Doing skillful, excellent work. Creating beauty. Engaging and influencing culture. Working with a grateful, joyful, gospel-changed heart through all the ups and downs of life and, uh, and the workplace. Doing whatever gives you the greatest joy and passion. Making as much money as you can so that you can be as generous as you can. Now, there's some truth in all of these, and it may depend on the, the type of work that you are doing. How do we also balance that, though, with the reality that work can be physically, mentally, and emotionally draining. It can bring us fulfillment, but it can also be quite boring. When I started working in a bank as a graduate trainee, I got to spend some time in all the different departments of the bank. Um, and to be honest, most of them I found actually quite boring. Um, the most exciting one was the, the dealing room, but I was never going to be cut out for a dealer. Um, I did end up in a department which I enjoyed, which was stimulating and uh, I found fulfilling. 
But not everyone will end up doing work that they find stimulating and fulfilling. So how do we still glorify God in those situations? How can I connect what I do here on a Sunday evening or throughout the day on a Sunday with what I do on a Monday morning? What about if I'm retired? Um, for some, that can come as a great relief. And now you can get on and do some of the things you've always wanted to do. You can go and at last join Jill Spectrum's Jill Spectrum class. Or visit the elderly before you become elderly yourself. Others feel quite bereft. They've lost a really important part of their life. These are some of the issues I hope we will address over the the next few weeks. And the first one we want to consider this evening is that we should praise God for the fulfillment of work. What I'd like to do to start with is invite a few people up and ask them the same question is, what do you do and what do you enjoy about your work? So um, I've asked a few people beforehand, two Daves, if you'd like to come up, Coney and Green, um, Marion, uh, where she is, and Lisa, if you just want to come up to the front, and uh, let's, um, and hopefully over the next few weeks we'll find out a bit more about what other people do in their uh, lives Monday to, to Friday. So um, who's going to go first? Dave, you're closest to me. Come over here. Um, Dave, if you don't know, this is Dave Green. Dave, Dave, tell us what you do during the week and what do you enjoy about your work? Um, I work for local John Deere dealer, Farrell Limited at Milton Common, servicing a range of ground care, homeowner, commercial mowing equipment, basically. Um, so I'm travelling anywhere within four hours of Milton Common daily. Um, so I get to see God's creation, which is amazing. I get to use a skill which I've been blessed with, which is fixing things and diagnosing faults. So I just thank the Lord that I've been given that skill. And previously, when working on the farm, I was gifted with working outdoors, um, also in the creation, working with livestock, which is really fulfilling. But some of those skills I'm now using to help people I've used all my life really to help people who no longer can do that people who've retired maintenance in the garden heavy maintenance tree felling things like that that I've picked up through family and it's just a skill that I've, I love doing and love being outdoors working brilliant thanks very much Dave I'm going to pass the other mic on to, to Marion um, Marion you've changed what you're doing I mean, you used to be managing a, a lounge in the, in the airport um, tell us what you do now and uh, what you enjoy about your work yeah well I, um, I took redundancy at the end of 2014 um, and um, was hoping to move down to nearer to my, my daughter but uh, it didn't quite work out so um, that will happen eventually but um, I picked up some cleaning work and um, God just provided it bit by bit and um, that's what I do most of the time but there is also one, one lady that I work for who's developed Alzheimer's so it's her, the role with her has become more of a caring role so I'm with her most days um, to get her up in the morning and do various things with her but um, I also still do cleaning and um, for various different people Christians and non-Christians quite a few people here um, but um, for some of them it's enabling them to have time to do God's work and for others it's some of the, the elderly people I work with it's things they can't do for themselves and it's really been very very fulfilling because I feel like I'm making a difference and actually I'm feeling very blessed by the people I work for and um, you know 
Thank really you. Good. Excellent. Yeah, Lisa. Um, so I work for um, an organisation called Christians in Sport, um, based up in Bicester. Um, the main purpose to help sports people to hear about Jesus um, by telling them the gospel or helping Christians who play sport to share their faith with their friends. Um, so my main role is to support young athletes um, who are kind of on elite perform- performance pathways. Um, how do they be a Christian at that young age um, in their sport with all the pressures? Um, and also to support parents as well of how they juggle church and um, commitments in the week um, so I enjoy the chance I get the chance to read the bible with older teenagers um, who are playing sports so I really enjoy that um, getting out on the road and meeting them um, and also to be able to connect up parents and families in those similar positions to help them encourage each other pray for each other um, in their kind of world of sport mm, brilliant thank you Lisa and last but not least Dave hello <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to loiter with intent <laughs> You'll see me loitering around the village <laughs> quite a bit. Um, I do various things uh, from gardening to helping people out. Um, I'm self-employed, so if anybody wants me to do something, I go along and help out. Mm-hmm. Basically that. <laughs> Brilliant. And what do you enjoy about your work? Coming home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoy helping people. And, uh, you know, if I feel that uh, I've helped someone achieve what they want to do or allow them to go somewhere to achieve what they want to do I've done a good job Brilliant, thanks very much everybody do sit down and uh, maybe the end of the service so you can all just share with um, thank you, with each other what do you do, what do you enjoy about your work that you do during the week let's turn now to the Bible and see what does the Bible say about why we should praise God for the fulfilment of work And if we can have the slides back. And the first thing is that God enjoys his work. We didn't read the uh, the first (coughs) part of chapter 1, but that tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't do it in one go, which he he could have done. Um, He did it in stages. And after each stage, we're told that God saw that it was good. It's like he stood back and reviewed what he'd done and thought to himself... Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm sure we've all known that feeling of looking what we've done and um, taking delight in it. Maybe you've done something creative, like a piece of artwork, some cooking, a DIY project. Maybe you've got around to cleaning the car and thought, that looks pretty good. Some may wait until the end of the day to look back on what you've done. Some might be looking back every 10 minutes to check on progress. But it's good to look at what we've done. Of course, however proficient we may be, our work will never be perfect. But God takes delight in what he created. In the book of Proverbs, we're told that the person called Wisdom, who we understand to be Jesus, says, I was there when he set the heavens in place. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, delighting in the human race. Why do you take delight in what you've done? Um, because it reflects something of you, reflects something of your creativity that God has given you. Of course, for God, it reflects his creativity. And I'm pleased if I'm able to build a shed. But imagine God's delight in creating a universe with billions of stars. But even better than that, God created 
humankind. If you look at verse 32, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Humankind was the pinnacle of his creation. He created the universe for people to enjoy so that they might glorify him. And so in the beginning of chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. Of course, God doesn't need rest like we need rest. He doesn't get tired. And the reason he made the seventh day holy was to enable us to take a break from our normal activity to focus on him, to refresh ourselves spiritually. Rest from work enables us to enjoy the simple things of life and not feel we have to be productive the whole time. God didn't just create the world and sit back and and let it roll. He's still working as he sustains the universe that he's created. He works as he provides and as he cares for the people that he's created. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Having made a man, God plants a garden for him, waters it so that he has food to eat. Psalm 145 says, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God enjoyed his original work of creation and he continues to enjoy sustaining his creation and providing for our needs. But secondly, God made people to share in the joy of his work. God works and he delights in his work. But he made humankind to share in that work. Have a look um, at verse 27 of chapter 1. There it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And on to verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. When God placed man on the earth, God's work of creation wasn't finished. Not because he couldn't have finished it all himself, but because he wanted people to share in the joy, the fulfillment of work. Genesis 2 shows human beings working in paradise before the fall. So work wasn't something that came later as a result of the fall. It's not like people, God gave people the, the earth to enjoy without having to do anything about it, just to sit back and, and relax. No, the fall made work harder, but work was designed for our pleasure before the fall. Notice um, the beginning of chapter 1, how God created the universe. But in verse 2, it was formless, it was empty, it was dark. And in the first three days of creation, God brings order to the chaos of the universe. 
And then in the following three days, he fills the, the emptiness. He fills the sky with the sun, moon, and stars. He fills the sky with sea, and seas with birds and fish. He fills the land with animals. And then having created people, he gives them the task to, to fill the earth and subdue it, to give them the task of naming all the creatures. And that is work. Although God created the world as good, it was unfinished. And that was so that people could share in his work. It's a bit like when you've got uh, young children and you've got some work to do in the garden. You're quicker to do it yourself. Um, but um, you want to give them the joy of, of helping, uh, the privilege of sharing in that, that sense of, of achievement. I sometimes wonder whether flat packs are designed for our fulfillment so that we can feel good about putting something together. Probably not. But Part of what it means for God to make us in his image is to make us as those who work. What that means is that every type of work, whether with the, the hands or the mind, is considered valuable to God. It's, a, it's like a sign of dignity. Of all the creatures, only man is called to rule over every other living creature. In Psalm 8, so the psalmist writes of human beings, you have crowned them with glory and honor. How? You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. But although all work is there for a sign of human dignity, as humans we somehow come up with our own categories of, of dignity or, or honour. Those professions which require greater knowledge or greater mental ability are more highly esteemed and usually more highly paid than so-called manual work. I confess my main criteria in choosing a career originally when I left university was, was money and esteem. But God doesn't value us on the basis of what we do but on who we are in Jesus. And therefore, neither should we value each other on the basis of what we do. Um, after all, in Genesis, we see God as a gardener. In the New Testament, we see Jesus as a carpenter. Many of his 12 apostles were fishermen. So for any younger guys here this evening who may in a few years be wondering what to do, look for work that suits your gifts, your abilities, your interests, and not just what is well-paid and highly regarded by society. But what does this mean to fill the earth and subdue it? Because filling the earth is not just about having lots of babies. It's not just about filling the earth with lots of individual human beings. It's about creating human society, civilization. To subdue means to bring order out of it. In other words, God has given people the basic raw materials, and now we are to make something of it. It's what is often called the cultural mandate. God gives us the mandate to create, to invent. Um, and that's been a gradual process over time, hasn't it? Adam didn't suddenly invent a tractor to farm the land or a keyboard to play music. God gave us the mandate to explore and, and discover, to find out about the world in which we live, to work out how it functions and the way it does, hence the need for scientists. People mined the earth for different raw materials and came up with different ideas for how they could be used. God gave us the mandate to organize ourselves in terms of government and business and education. 
He didn't tell us what was the right sort of economic or political system. He left that up for us to work out ourselves, but gave us some principles to work with. The cultural mandate was an invitation to join God in producing a beautiful world that brings him glory. Because God had created humankind in his own image with that potential for creating beauty. The challenge for humankind was to develop a world after the pattern that God had given. He gave us the plants. How would we cultivate a garden that would produce food to eat and flowers that are arranged to be beautiful to the eye? He gave us raw materials which we could use to improve our way of life. How would we use those without damaging the environment that he had carefully designed? Okay, so God enjoys his work. God has created people to share in the joy of his work. But how does my work relate to that? How can I find fulfillment in what I do? First, we shouldn't forget that since the fall, as we said before, work is not easy. Because people decided to reject the pattern God had given them. They came up with their own one. It's like God gave us a garden to cultivate, and we concreted it over and destroyed its beauty. And we'll look at that more next week. The thing is that despite the fall, we can still find fulfillment in our work and praise God for that. And we find fulfillment by remembering who we are serving. Colossians 3 says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, And there, insert whatever it is you do during this week, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If we are serving Jesus in our work, then we will find fulfillment whatever we are doing. Paul was writing this to slaves who had no choice about what sort of career they could take on. They just did what they were told. But they were able to still find fulfillment because the one they were really working for was Jesus. And they were looking forward to that day when they went to be with the Lord and they would receive that wonderful welcome. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness, your true master's happiness how do we remember that when we're doing what we're doing how do we remember that we're working for the Lord how do we find fulfillment in that process well here's a few suggestions for you if you're in a creative career and it's not difficult is it to find something fulfilling after all creation points to the creator God so whether you're an artist an architect, a designer, a builder Whether you work with wood or metal or fabrics, you're using what God has given us to create something beautiful. If you're in manufacturing, you are making something that God has given us the raw materials to make. Something which can be useful for humankind. That is part of what the cultural mandate is about. If you're a cleaner, you're taking something dirty and making it clean. Something that has lost its beauty and making it beautiful again. Just as Jesus has taken us in all our filth and made us clean. 
If you work in an office, you are relating to people, either your colleagues or your customers. God is relational. He's made us in his image as relational people. Enjoy those relationships. Work at them. Don't just look at people as those you have to get on with or clients you need to pay your bills. Look at them as people with the same basic needs you have. Look at them as people who are struggling and who need your care and compassion. Look at them as people who need a relationship with God. And we'll come back to that in future weeks. If you're a full-time parent, you are filling the earth. Um, And you have a most valuable role to perform, don't you? Because you are teaching a young child about Jesus and what you say and what you do. There's a lot of fulfillment in that, isn't there? When your children are ungrateful and disobedient, remember God as the Heavenly Father, how he remains patient with his children. What about voluntary work? Well, maybe maybe you cook meals, maybe you visit sick people. You are reflecting God's work of caring and providing for all our needs. If you're retired, you may spend a bit of time on a holiday or going for breaks. Enjoy God's creation. Maybe spend a bit of time with a wider family. Enjoy your family. Maybe you're doing voluntary work as well. Enjoy serving others. What we mustn't forget in all of this is that although we can praise God for for the fulfillment we have in our work, we're not just focusing on our fulfillment. That comes with our attitude to our work. The reason Jesus came to earth was, we are told, not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for others. If we're serving Jesus, then we need to ask ourselves, in what way are we serving others? In what way are we making a difference to the world around us? When young people are given advice about careers, it is usually about what is best for them. What will help them to be successful? By which is usually meant what will make them the most money and give them the most status. Very rarely are young people encouraged to think about How can they make the biggest difference to society? In his book, Keller quotes from a book called Habits of the Heart, written by a guy called Robert Bella, an American guy. He focuses on the U.S. culture, but I think the same is equally valid for, for our culture. And he says the thing that is destroying the cohesiveness of culture is what he calls expressive individualism. He writes, the sacredness of the individual is not balanced by any sense of the whole or concern for the common good. And to address that, he says, we need to get back to the sense of vocation, a return in a new way to the idea of work as a contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's own advancement. Well, as we finish and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, if we have grasped the gospel of salvation by grace, then we will be freed from the unending pressure of having to prove ourselves, to find our identity in our work, because we will know that nothing we can do can make God love us anymore. We'll be freed from looking down on those who we feel have inferior jobs, or looking with envy towards those who we feel have, have jobs we aspire to. If we've grasped the gospel, then our fulfillment in our work will not be measured by our own career success, 
but by the opportunity to serve Jesus and to serve others and to become like Jesus. Amen. Let's have a moment of quiet and to reflect on what we're going to be doing this time tomorrow and what we're going to be doing throughout the week, Monday to Friday. Where is our fulfillment in our work? Who are we serving? Are we serving ourselves or are we serving Jesus and others? How can we make a difference to those around us this week?